The Koi Gig Pod. Who is this serving? And what is the end goal? Would be kind of nice to know. I feel like we haven't had quite enough Irish bias this year, so I am quite happy to see this. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Live from Qatar, it's a very good morning to Kevin Caban. Morning, Kev. Good morning, Shane. Hi, Ashlyn. How are you doing? Good morning, Kev. How are you? I'm good. All's well, thank you. All's You're living good. it up over there? <laughs> no, hardly. Hardly, I have mm. to say. Um, but to, just to be here last night, I wasn't at the game last night, but just to be here and even if I was in studio last night, I could have been in any studio in the world, but certainly being in Doha and, and witnessing the scenes afterwards after that performance last night, it was uh, it was very special to be here last night, yeah. You've got the Guinness Extra Stout t-shirt on, I think there. It's probably the closest you've You're always to looking at what I wear. I, 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 I actually don't. <laughs> it is actually the closest. I've come to a pint of stout. And uh, I miss the Guinness in the rain, Shane. You know that. But anyway, um, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very uh, very light on clothing at the moment, so I'm just grabbing anything I can get in the bag. Are you ready for home, or how are you feeling at this point? Oh, I've been ready for home probably since the day I arrived. I have to say that, <laughs> honest to God. Um, and you know, it sounds awful. You know yourself. You know, you're at, I'm at a World Cup, and I've got to treasure it for all it's worth, and I've got mm-hmm. to remember what it was like as a nine-year-old kid watching his first World Cup in '86. You know, and but um, no, I, I do, I do miss home. I do actually, yeah, I do. It's um, you, you were listening to our argument, Maradona versus Messi. Not to age you or anything, Kev, but uh, you might yeah. you might recall yeah. Diego Maradona a little bit more than we would. Uh, is it a is it a comparable yeah. argument? Is it a fair argument? Yeah, I, I'm not quite in the bracket of uh, of Barry and Gilroy. You know, I'm not I'm not maybe that that, not old, that old. But, no, no, uh, but I no did chance. but I did go to I did go to school with no shoes though. I did actually did, go to school with no shoes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I, I mean, Maradona was probably my first hero as a kid. Um, I always remember, not long before the, the 1986 uh, World Cup, my dad came home from the pub like with a, with an old VHS video recorder. We, you know, times were hard in the household, uh, Shane, as you can well imagine, you know. But um, my dad came home from the pub, whichever way he got it, knocked off a VHS video recorder. So during that World Cup in 86, I used to have a VHS um, taping and I would just randomly record any game. I was like, you know, I always remember that World Cup, you know, the famous Josimar goals, um, the Russian team, the French team from that World Cup, Joel Batsing goal, you know, like little names like this, but Maradona was like probably everything to me as a kid. He really was. Um, and I know you've probably, you know, I heard you guys talking before, I think sometimes you watch all the footage around Maradona and everything is just beautiful. You know, the pitches are crap. He's getting hacked down and things like this by every player possible, which of course is all true. And you, you do, you do maybe forget. And I'm maybe clouded by that as well. You forget about some of the, some of the, 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 the bad stuff. I'm sure he went through, he went through and maybe had five or six bad games on the bounce. But Maradona to me was the ultimate football. It was the, it was the player who I looked up to. And I always thought, this will never be surpassed, and I, I, you, you, you don't remember. You don't remember the Maradona era. I don't remember the Pele era. I wasn't born during that era when, you know, my grandfather always said that um, that Pele was the best, and my dad was always no George Best was always the greatest footballer. We can't forget the man from our own shores as well. In, in this argument, George Best mm-hmm. has to be certainly mm-hmm. considered amongst these very best players. Um, but watching Messi and watching what he's doing now, and watching how he's done it for such a long time, and seeing. Just last night, I, I heard you guys describe it. We, you know, we can use all the words magic and 
genius and all this sort of thing. But do, does it not just make you feel great watching a game of football when you're watching Messi doing what he did in that second half? And he was quiet enough and he's had quite enough spells in this in this World Cup. But the second half was just incredible. It was just, it was magic. It was the stuff I used to, I watched as a kid and I, and I genuinely hope there was eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, boys and girls watching that, that game last night and just want to be, Mar- uh, want to be sorry, Lionel Messi. They just want to try and emulate what, what he did on, on the pitch. And I hope they feel like I felt watching Maradona in 86 because last night was, was just so special. Jeez, I felt like getting a tiny violin out there when you started talking about VHS tapes and walking to school with, with no <laughs> shoes. Yeah. You probably had a teacher to watch the moon landings on at least. Um, yeah, no, yeah, to, I, know, I know you're, a, you're, a, you know, you're, you're well into that shame yourself, but no, um, I, I'm not that old, not quite that old, actually. No. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on uh, on fans filming of matches? We were chatting about that earlier. Like some of the fan footage of Messi's goal last night was particularly memorable, but I guess the people have their opinions on, on yeah. uh, fo- fo- uh, phones out of matches. Yeah, some some people go crazy, and I, I I probably share the opinion of probably what you guys are saying. Certainly, what what, what Colin was saying early on as well. Like, I'm not bothered with it really. I wouldn't necessarily do it myself. The odd time I've been to a gig here and there, and I I whipped out the phone and, and recorded a few things, but I wouldn't necessarily sit there through a whole gig with my phone out. I it it, it would be spur of the moment thing, you know. Your favorite song comes on or whatever it would be, and I think last night when I think you know I I went to watch. Um, I was I went to watch Messi actually in this tournament. I went to the uh, Argentina Poland game, which wasn't a great game. Uh, Messi missed a penalty in, in the game and things like that as well. But I, I, I've you know I've, I've played you know so many games and you don't really appreciate the, the support around. You know I've actually just seen footage. It was actually sent to me um, yesterday, just the national anthem during uh, the all uh, two game against Spain and. I was watching it half crying, you know, because you forget what the fans meant to us. And, you know, you, you kind of, it's hard to actually get that connection when you're on the pitch sometimes. But watching it, and it's the sort of feeling that I had again when I was a kid, watching the, the Irish games in Euro 88 and 90 and what the national anthem meant to, to our supporters and seeing the lads lined up. And that was always, to me, looking back on my career was the most special uh, time in an Irish shirt, just standing there for the anthem. And, and that's the truth. And maybe just going back to the Messi thing, Messi, when, when Messi gets the ball, every single seat is just vacated. Everyone stands up, every single person, and they start like just, it's a little bounce, and the stadium just starts to rock. It's almost like the stadium's just bouncing away with you when as soon as Messi gets the ball, and that's no matter where it is on the pitch. So I can only imagine what it, what it felt like in that stadium last night. You know, people, as you say, whipping out phones and desperate to get a glimpse of him. You, you get that feeling now that you're actually watching true greatness. And we, again, we can talk about any of the players that, Cruyff, as I said, Eusebio, um, Best, Pele, whoever, Maradona, whichever these players are your favourite of all time. But just being in the stadium when Messi was playing that night, and Messi was actually getting better and better. He was fairly quiet in the game, but he was getting better and better, and he's having some great moments in the game. And it was special to be in a stadium with Argentina fans watching Lionel Messi. And I think that's been the case probably throughout this tournament if you've been an Argentina fan or a neutral fan if you've gone to watch those games and I can only imagine what it was like in that stadium last night watching him and 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 seeing that greatness as I said but you're always going to be tempted to, to take a little take your phone out and take a picture and just just see him because he's it is greatness and it's, it's something that's almost untouchable really. Yeah, I think that's it. If it's a once in a lifetime thing, like if it's messy, you know, I'm going to take a video. I'm absolutely going to take a video. You know, when's this going to happen again? But as you were saying yeah. there, Kev, just bringing back memories, I suppose, for you, 
like when you're there in the in the hotel I know I think you had said to Joe during the week that Brazil were, were in the hotel you were staying in so you're obviously yeah. you were seeing a lot of them and obviously covering a lot of the games it must bring back a lot of fond memories does it bring back I suppose wishing that you were still out there wishing you still had those times or, or how do you feel about all of that? Yeah, I, I, it was absolutely the greatest against Spain, and it was just like a, a, a clip montage of Damien Duff against Spain, and it was just like a, a, a clip montage of Damien Duff against Spain, and it was just like a, we, we forget how great, you know, how brilliant a footballer Damien Duff was, and I know that he's well loved now. He's, he's I was obviously doing great stuff on RTE, and you know, he's straight talking is what what draws us all to him. But Duffer was just incredible football. He was, and, you know, it was a total pleasure for me to play alongside him. So those days, you know, too, were absolutely very special. I think since I finished playing, I started to cover the, to cover the World Cup. You know, I think this is now my third World Cup that, that I've actually covered and or been at. It's um, It takes you back to the times of of 86 watching Maradona and watching the Irish team in, in 90 you guys are probably you're too young to remember 90 but 90 had a real effect on me personally again I go back to you know watching the team for the national anthem for the first game against England both at Euro 88 and 90 those those two opening games that, that we had at the tournament and they they changed my life and what I wanted to, to do and, and how I saw my, my future. And you know, again, it was, a, it was a distant dream. It was absolutely way beyond me at the time. And I think being at this World Cup, I said, it just, it just brings back those memories and, and what it actually means. And, you know, people are always going to debate which is the greatest World Cup anyone's ever watched. But probably the greatest World Cup for me would, would probably will be 90. And some of the football at that was probably drab at times. And some of the, you know, everyone will always talk about the Ireland-Egypt game being a horrendous game to watch and things like that. Even the Dutch game, you know, at times, you know, they played out a draw because they, they knew that they were both qualified. But there's just such special memories in my life. And that's what being here at this World Cup probably brings me back to, and I become a little bit nostalgic, really. There was the Irish Times column I had earlier this month, Kev, from uh, from the World Cup, where you're, you were referencing that uh, Argentina-Ireland game at Lansdowne in 2010. I mean, you marked Messi out of it, let's not forget. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Shane, come on now, I can't talk about that. But if you want me to talk about it, I will, of course. Of course, know? yeah, yeah. Um, I've, brought, I've brought it up now, so <laughs> might as well. You have to. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's it's great that I can actually say, look, I've played against him, and um, we have a guy called Julian de Guzman, uh, who's an ex-Canadian international, who's on our panel here when we when we're doing the games, and he played in Spain. He played for Deportivo La Coruña, and he played against Messi a, a handful of times. And you know, it's great to share experience with him. Messi was probably trying in the games that he was playing against him, but. It's it's it is it, it's great for me personally just to say that I you know I, I was actually on the pitch and you know I, I I played against Ronaldo and I played against some of the greats you know um, Luis Figo Zidane Henri you know the the list is probably endless even you know the great Brazilian Ronaldo Ronaldinho when they came to Dublin once you know I, I probably you know I've been proud to have played against some of the great greatest players certainly from my era and, and maybe from any era as well but. Um, I think Messi, when I played against him that night, Shane, I think he, I think he was probably just in there for a bit of a, a bit of crack, you know. That was it. <laughs> Not at all. Don't don't do yourself to, out of a out of a proper performance. But he like didn't that, score. Yeah. He didn't score, and he was subbed off after about fifty-seven minutes. So I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, Shane. You know, he's in, done. Yeah, he was in your pocket, man. <laughs> <laughs> just when you name Not out all of those players, like Figo, I, yeah. like that is unbelievable to have played against all of them. Like, oh. yeah. I think we had no, we had we had a, we had a special team, mm-hmm. honestly, with with the Irish side, and you know we we didn't just play against Figo. We went and we went and 
really competed against mm. them and you know in, in in spells during certain games we outplayed them probably the the luckiest we ever had or the luckiest result that we ever got was probably in the uh, in the O2 qualification was it 2001 when Roy Keane scored against Portugal because they they did outplay us um Portugal in Dublin that day Figo was playing Rui Costa and I still say Rui Costa probably the greatest individual performance I've ever seen against any Irish side to be honest with you the, the performance he put in against us and I think I think Brini was playing that day and Brini said like he's the best striker I've ever played against because he, he, Rui Costa was was that good he was that good what made him so good um, Rui Costa that day um, I, and again you know what Shane it's hard to even really remember now I just remembered thinking during the game god this guy is, is unstoppable in the match you know every time he got the ball he'd, he'd invariably beat one of our players he'd be you know Create, you know, creating a chance with an unbelievable pass. He was maybe taking shots on from distance and, and whatever he was doing. Uh, I think he created the goal. I think it was Figo actually scored against us that day in Dublin. Uh, but I think he created the goal. But he, it was just, it's, it's hard really. I love, you know, it's one of those you'd have to watch back at the game to really get a, a feeling for how good uh, Rui Costa was that day. But I, I just remember coming into the dressing room after the game and the lads all saying, "Oh my God, this guy!" You know, because all the talk from us was because Figo was in direct competition with, with Ian Hart and, and I down the left hand side, and and Harty and I had a really good combination together. How we used to work things, and we we genuinely didn't fear anyone we were going to be playing against. We, we just felt like between the two of us, one of us would take them out of the game, and we'd be able to get each other into the game one way or another. And Figo wasn't actually the issue for us that day. We, we I felt that Harty did a great job on on Figo. But it was Rui Costa that was just absolutely sensational. And I just remember going into the dressing room and everyone just talking about this. Oh, geez, what a player. What a, what an unbelievable player. And I think through that through that campaign and maybe around it, we did, we, we had, obviously, we played the Dutch, the well-known Dutch, but they had some brilliant players as well, that, that Dutch side as well, when we, we went, when we went and, and took those on. But we, I think we had, a, we had a real patch for a few years that we should have achieved more. I think we look back on that side. I think we all maybe accept that we should have achieved more whatever happened with with that side but uh, it was special times playing against great players but also having some pretty special players within our side too Ashton referenced uh, Brazil having been in your, your hotel so I'm sure there are plenty of Brazil fans around but uh, the Argentinian fans yeah. are adding a different level of spice to this whole thing yeah, there's, yeah, Brazil are obviously well supported, and Ashley was just saying that we, we actually haven't seen them actually at all. Any Brazil player, you, you're probably not even sending member of staff. Our hotel was totally locked off to the Brazilian squad, so it's kind of almost split into two. So we we never saw them at all during this World Cup. Um, but the fans themselves, our hotel has been a bit chaotic at times because the fans trying to see Neymar and and whoever from that Brazil side, um, but. Around Doha, since being here, there's been the only team that I could say in terms of, of, of being well supported is is Morocco. Morocco fans seem to be everywhere and have been everywhere since the tournament started. But as the tournament's progressed, it's been Argentina fans. Honest to God, yesterday, I have never seen so many messy shirts in my life. And I'm sure that's a general case when anyone goes to watch an Argentina game, you know, whether you'll go and watch them in Buenos Aires or wherever around the world, everybody wants to come and see Messi. Of course they do when, when you're going, when, uh, when Argentina's in town, but it's honestly, it's ridiculous. The amount of Argentina shirts here, they have to be the best supported side here. Now we'll, we'll probably wait and see till tonight for that Morocco France game. And we'll probably see Morocco jerseys everywhere, but I think the consistent the consistent thing over the last week, maybe ten days, it's been Argentina everywhere. Like our, our studios down in 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 Suk Wakif, which is the marketplace down here, and 
Argentina fans everywhere. They're just going through in, in thousands, just singing all day. You know, the atmosphere and, and the colour that they're bringing, it, it, it's, it's really special seeing those fans here, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the videos that I saw is definitely Argentina fans, even there and back in Argentina. There's been some unbelievable footage coming out of there as well. Yeah, and I saw some of that vid- some of that footage, yeah, too. Yeah, you've mentioned Morocco. So Morocco, France tonight. You tipped actually Morocco in in the quarterfinal. Mm. No, so, so last sixteen, I actually tipped Portugal last night. I thought oh, sorry, the, I thought Portugal would have, would have had that. too yes. much. No, I tipped <laughs> I tip, I them. I tipped them to beat Spain. I fancied them to beat Spain. Sorry, that's um, right. Yeah. And, and and you know what, Ash, it was just because I saw them in the group and, I, and I'd watched them an awful lot coming into the tournament. And because of, because they're in Canada's group that we had to get, I was probably much more knowledgeable on on, on the, that group in, in particular. I'd probably watched Morocco maybe 15, 20 times in a lot of the games that they played. And I re, the Canadians were coming into the group going, look, you know, if we can get anything from Belgium and Croatia, we're, we're going to be okay. And I think we'd, we'd all said right from the start, like, you know, when you start to watch them thinking, lads, this this team are, are, are something serious. They're, they're a special team. They've got great players. Uh, I think the standout, as we know, is is Hakimi. I know Ziyech was in there, but Ziyech wasn't in for a long time, of course. If you, if, you, if you don't forget, he wasn't even in the squad for such a long time. So Hakimi and, and one or two others that were in, in that side, and we're looking at them going, Amrabat, even when we're watching games, going, I tell you what, these are going to have a, a chance of, of doing something. I didn't think they'd get to a semi-final. I have to say that, but... I fancied them. If any team was going to was going to break that um, that uh, Croatia Belgium like uh, mm-hmm. group and maybe split them, I fancied Morocco to do it. I thought that they had players capable to, to go and do something, and then they did get out. And then I saw the way that Spain played, and I thought this this Moroccan side can actually cope because they've got a way to soak up the way that pl- Spain play. A lot of Spain's uh, possession was in front of sides. And I thought they've got a real the real chance here. It, it was a little bit of an educated I guess, but if Spain turn up, Spain beat them. I think we all accept that. But I just thought they've got a chance here. And then when they got to Portugal, I thought, nah, it might be too much for them because they've still got injuries. They've got one or two that are not actually uh, that are actually quite right to play the games. Um, Saiz was injured before the game into last game, but ended up playing and didn't feel quite right. That partnership of of Saiz and, and, and Aguirre, the, the uh, centre-half partnership, have been brilliant. Amrabat in front of, of him, Onahi in that midfield as well. And that's a side of Hakimi and Ziyech who have been brilliant as well. Um, and and Nezrae up front, I mean, the goal that he scored against Portugal, what, what a team. They've got a really, really top-class team, all playing in some of the best leagues around Europe, top five leagues, top clubs around Europe. So they were never a team to take lightly, I think, coming into the tournament. Um but I'm probably going to go back to my prediction before the Portugal game that I think this might be a step too far. I, I can't see them beating France. Seeing that France-England game and the level that that game was played at, I think this might be a step too far. And I think they're a little bit more loose when they don't have the ball than than um, than even England were. So I think they'll leave a few gaps for Mbappe or more gaps for Mbappe. Griezmann, arguably the best player this tournament maybe if I know we're looking at Messi now of course we've had to say Messi and Mbappe scored some great goals but even within that French side Griezmann has matched Mbappe for work rate for ability for the ability to create chances and everything like that that goes with it so I, I just think that France tonight will probably just shade that game I, I, I fancy France to win it actually That Hakimi-Mbappe battle at least should be, should be quite interesting given they're so close Yeah 
I know, and I think we're all looking forward to that one. We're, 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 I'm looking at a bit of analysis around it tonight to see how Akimi does against him because. I think we I think we look at Akimi getting forward and he's brilliant. He's so powerful and he gets beyond um, the opposition like defence backline. Even though that is in a fullback, he plays high and wide at times. But he's quite disciplined actually when he plays within that role because he's got to break from deep line positions because of how deep uh, Morocco defend. But um, he's 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 so good getting forward. But will his mindset tonight be look? This guy's too good. I have to actually sit in and. We looked at the panic really around in France's first goal that, that happened with, with England when they were when they were trying to get back into position. They see Mbappe on the ball, he attracts three three England players to him. Will that be the case tonight where three or four Moroccans are attracted to Mbappe? He frees up Griezmann. Dembele's been brilliant, of course Giroud's been brilliant as well. I just think that front line for um for France will be too good outside of that Mbappe um Hakimi um matchup tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, Morocco at this point, they've only conceded one goal. So defensively, they have been quite solid. Yeah. But you mentioned Giroud there. He's a player that just constantly seems to go under the radar. Like, it's it's a strange one. Obviously, you have Mbappe, you have Griezmann, but he constantly just goes under the radar. Maybe he likes it that way. Yeah, I think I think he does. Uh, obviously, we we know he overtook Henri's goal-scoring record. I think Griezmann overtook his, his assist record for France as well. So there's not too many Irishmen that are too unhappy about that record going for, for Henri, are we? We have to say that. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was happy for Giroud. I was really happy for Giroud because I think he he doesn't get a fur he doesn't get a fur crack of the whip at times. I think we look at we look at him in England and we we judge him. Some I, I think. Honestly, I do think around Premier League football, and I think even within England, there's a real snobbery to other to other leagues around Europe, and you know they can almost dismiss every other league that we have the best league in the world, and we've got to we've got to look at every league and on its on its merits, I suppose you say, not to quote um, John Giles, the great John Giles himself at times, but we have to look at every league and say, look, they can bring different things, and look what I think, look what Griezmann did to England in that last game, that we're we're hell bent on looking at. Maybe sometimes who's playing England? Who who like? I think we do it because we have a, we have a, a, a Premier League bias. I think because we've we've got our you know we've got so much coverage of it in Ireland. But I I honestly think that 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 player when they go abroad, I think when they go into a different league and you see that he almost inspired AC Milan to to, to Serie A title uh, last season. The goals that he scored as well, big goals for for AC Milan outside of what he did actually in the Premier League, because he he did actually very very good things in at times being asked to to be the second striker when he was at Arsenal and at Chelsea, and Giroud he's been second striker at times. You know we've looked at it that I think honestly six weeks ago from what I was reading and I I'm, I'm looking at that French squad and it looks like Giroud's not even going to be in that squad. He's probably going to be just phased out of it because of of Griezmann because of of Kunde. Sorry, not Griezmann, because of Benzema and because of, of um, who's okay. the guy in Cuckoo, sorry, okay. um, from, from Leipzig. They look like they're going to be the number nines and mm. Giroud will be third choice. So he's probably not going to get selected and they're going to look elsewhere. All of a sudden, those two get injured. He then becomes so relevant to, to Didier Deschamps and he can't overlook Giroud. He has, he has to play him. But you can see what it actually means to all those players as well. You can see what he means to those players when he, when he broke the record. And... Honestly, I, he's had an amazing career. I think he's probably going to play for another few years yet because of the style of his game. Hasn't really changed since he was 24. He's never really had the greatest amount of pace with, with all due respect to him. And I think he's a player that 
that can actually play on. And he, he, we may even see him at the Euros in in, uh, in 18 months' time with France. I think he's, he's just been an incredible, maybe ambassador for football. When you look at, you know, we all look at, again, we look at Messi, we look at Mbappe, we look at these great players, yet it takes other players around teams at times to bring the best out of the, the, the great players, the truly great players. And I think Giroud is one of those guys. Finally, Kev, uh, Gareth Southgate, should he stay or should he go? Uh, he's referenced the booze and the... At Molyneux mm. early in the year, and, and and I guess the other question is, who, who do you bring in? A lot of calls for an English only yeah. manager. What's your take on it? Um, I think maybe you know it's only eighteen months of the Euros. Maybe he deserves a, a crack at the Euros, but only because we you know in, in a year's time we'll probably know who who's at the Euros. I'm not too sure when the playoffs are actually going to be for the Euros. Will they will they actually be into 2024? They might be actually early 2024, but. We're going to know by and large who's going to be at the Euros um, in a year's time from now. There's not an awful lot of time for a new coach to come in and prepare that side. It might be the, the end of, of his cycle within that side. It's not a lot of a time between now and then. So I think he probably should stay on. I think I think he's probably earned a bit of goodwill. I think he's, he's certainly made that English side more likeable. I think even to us. I can't say I was too disappointed they went out. I have to say that. Uh, when, when they start to get too close to winning it, my heart starts to beat and I get this real knot in my stomach. And that's been ingrained in me since I was maybe watching Maradona in 86 beating England. I, I got great delight in that. You know, that was uh, that was maybe when that dread started or set in. You know, even seeing England play uh, Germany in Italian 90. And, you know, it was well set in at that stage that I wanted England to lose. So, um I think they become more likable and I kind of feel sorry for Harry Kane to an extent. I do feel sorry for Harry Kane. Uh, so I think, I think, I think Southgate probably does deserve that last, that last chance. I think really because of the, the lack of time really between now and then when that, when that Euros comes around in 2024. I don't think myself or Ashley are going to disagree with you on the uh, the England take and not wanting them to, to go all the way. <laughs> uh, although they are likable. Uh, Kev, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Thanks guys. Thanks Shane. Thanks Good Ashley. Stuff. OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs Razor With Exfoliating Bar